Hi, welcome back to Evil Thespian podcast. <laughs> um, hi, I am doing a solo episode today. I wanted to kind of bring it back and take a break and mix it up a little bit because I've been taking a lot of notes on voice and speech lately, listening back to some of the earlier episodes. I've and just editing this and watch it or listening to my voice change throughout these past two years, I think. It's really interesting. I've been doing a lot of temperature taking on my tone and my resonance in my voice as this podcast grows. And it's very interesting. Um, but I just wanted to record this episode today because I have a lot of things to discuss about vocal life. In terms of self-care, I think one's vocal life is very, you know, under, um, we, don't, we don't really tap into our vocal life very much. Um, whether you're an actor or not, I think it's something important to be aware of and um, always check in because I, your voice and your vocal life is so precarious and malleable. And your personality kind of stops, you know, changing or like shifting um, very early on in in your age. But your voice is always changing. My voice has changed so much. And I, I'm also going to talk about my accent today because that's something I'm struggling with. Um, my accent has changed a lot also through throughout my whole life <laughs> and I think everybody's accent does um, but it's interesting it's very common to think you know every time I'm with my friends uh, from uh, Virginia my voice um, completely changes uh, the tone of my voice changes my accent changes a little bit because I went to school in Virginia I went to college in Virginia and that significantly um, impacted the way I talk um, but because I grew up largely in the, the Midwest, that is sort of my center. Um, everything comes back to the Midwest, <laughs> really, for me. Um, everyone on my mom's side of the family is very nasally. Um, and that's kind of where I tend to sit a little bit. But listening back to some of the earlier episodes, I'm noticing some external elements in my life that have influenced the change of my my voice my resonance and my accent for example i think when earlier in the year when i was working and i had a day job my voice I mean, it was very subtle but my voice sounded more bright and resonant and busy and my vowels were much further up front uh towards the front of like the back of very back of my teeth and um like the very top of my mouth post job loss <laughs> when i um after i got fired i've just been noticing my vowels have really been chucked back to my soft palate every single um vowel just gets placed all the way in the back of my soft palate and it sits there and my uh, consonants that are supposed to be 
um, more like the voiced consonants are also sitting back there <laughs> for some for some reason uh, after I've just noticed that after I got fired from this job I've been exp- I listen I've li- been listening back and uh, being more self-conscious of how my voice sounds and where my consonants have gone and they've just are, are very everything's very low everything it sounds like married woman with no job like it really truly does uh reflect the external um elements in my life and shifts shifts in my life and it's very very subtle but it's really incredible to me because it's something that nobody really talks about a lot and it's this very vast beautiful like expansive world of voice and speech that um is it operates as a whole another language of looking into oneself and looking into somebody's inner conflicts and inner feelings and how it teaches you how we do away with inner conflicts because sometimes our voice changes very consciously or we're trying to uh, you know, c- communicate our self-idealization. But a lot of times that self-idealization um, is so strong that it's sort of a doing away of inner conflict. And the voice really, truly is an, uh, an expression of somebody's inner, inner conflicts and um, inner thoughts and feelings and tension. It's much, very much to me, the voice is about conflict and tension. Um, and how the inner life feels about their external, about the external experience of one's life. It's very, very interesting, and it's very, very deep, and the voice is such an intimate part of somebody. I just, I always wonder in terms of like the self-care conversation, um, you know, journaling, (laughs) keeping track of, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, keeping track of your um, patterns, your speech patterns, and how they change. Um, that to me, that should be a part of keeping track of your behavioral behavior. <laughs> As you can see, I'm struggling. <laughs> behavioral um, beha- behavior. Uh, so, with that, <laughs> with that said, you can tell that I'm kind of struggling, um, and I need some speech pathology, and it's something I really want to work on. And it's important to me because I don't think anybody should change themselves, change who they are vocally, but because this is a podcast, it's something that I want to prioritize. So I want to begin with um, reading a passage from Arthur Lissack's the use and training of the human voice a biodynamic approach to vocal life um this is a book that i read in theater school and i am just marveled at the fact that it's not studied more in behavioral therapies or behavioral sciences because it's an incredible work of um, study studying the the vocal 
the vocal life and it's you know it's a voice and speech book um uh, applied to you know actor training um it's an incredible tool for um for actors um and i really recommend that everybody buy the book whether you're an actor or not um but it, it just really amazes me because it's such it's really like the actor voice and speech bible um I, I, i'm constantly coming back to this book um and i could read a million uh, passages that I could read the whole book in this episode right now but I've just I've got a couple of passages I want to read um, and the first one is from chapter two titled don't envy a good voice you have one to the aware actor vocal life is more than an extension of inner energies it is a creative and controlling influence upon the dynamics of these energies as a creative tool, exploring vital vocal life allows us to experiment with and plumb these energies, not merely to express emotions, but also to perceive new dynamics, new subtext, new visualizations, and new images. It is a powerful resource that can provide an enormous range of possibilities and choices for, an, for unanticipated interpretation and feeling. We begin our work from the physical end of voice and speech. If we think about the human body, body as, superb, as a superb instrument, we can proceed from the premise that careful observation of how the body wants to function, how it would function in the absence of adverse conditioning, is a good guide to the production of fine tone and excellent sounds. When the body produces excellent tones, the voice is not throaty, nasal, or forced. Oh God, <laughs> that sounds like me. Um, it is produced and resonated effortlessly. It has stentorian, resonant qualities and projection, full pitch range, and rich, warm, colorful, colorful t timber. Is that how you pronounce timber? T-I-M-B-R-E, I think so. Anyway. I think that's very beautiful and I agree that we have to be more vigilant about how our body wants to function and how it could function if we were, you know, the, the possibilities of the human voice, if the voice is so malleable and vulnerable and so subject to change throughout our entire lives and it does change, we don't even notice it, you, why not tap into that? um from a like very in this very holistic approach um and you know turn up the volume on our awareness of our voice it's the most vital part of who we are um and some people um you know don't have a voice <laughs> and this is a podcast and it's all about our voices <laughs> but yeah arthur lessack i'm gonna read some more um, a couple more uh, passages from this book. Uh, but before I do that, um, I wanted to move on and give you a little regional tour of where I grew up so we can kind of understand uh, the core of what I'm currently being challenged by, uh, the shifts and the new dynamics in my life that have influenced 
the tone and the placement of my voice. But in combination with that, the placement is really combined with my accent and how my accent is changing. So we're going to bring it back to my roots and we're going to give you a tour of the Midwest um, so we can really understand where I grew up, what I'm struggling with and why. So there are three main vocal regions in the Midwest. The first vocal region is North Sun, and they all sound different. It's very subtle. The biggest misconception about Midwestern accents, I mean, all accents and dialects are regional. Let's get that (laughs) very clear. Um, But it's important to understand the three main regions of the Midwest. The first one is North Central region, and this This region primarily is made up of North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and most of Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin, but I grew up mainly around coastal Wisconsin and coastal um, (laughs) Illinois, um, which is part of the inland inland north region. And the inland north region is um, kind of what most would describe as a Great Lakes uh, accent. Um, yeah, and that's going to be coastal, like, uh, yeah, Lake Michigan accent, basically is what I'll sum it, sum it up as. Um, and it's mostly made up of Michigan anyway. Um, and then there's the third one, which is Midland uh, region. And Midland American English is sort of used as this placeholder phrase for just general American English. Um, usually it is, yeah, just that accent is a placeholder for just uh, general um all over, like fly over flatlands. And I really like the phrase flatlands because uh, an American accent and dialect is very flat. Um, there's, everything's very wide. We're always smiling. Americans are always smiling. It's all about the flatlands. It's all about the flyover states. It's very flat. Your mouth is constantly horizontal. All of the words are very horizontal. Um, but I will say that American English, in terms of like the Midlands, there's a lot of overlap with a s- Southern accent and like a Midland American accent because I would argue that Southern accents are better described as just like the general American accent. I don't think it's very unusual for any American, no matter where you're from, to just fall back accidentally into a Southern American English. I don't know why. I just think it's sort of America's uh, vocal heartbeat. (laughs) You know, I I think it's actually more um, common to accidentally have a Southern accent accent um, than we think it is. Um, And the Midland American region covers such a massive area. It's changing so much. And 
I think right now it's better just described as splitting it into a northern half and a southern half. But those states are going to be, um, I mean, one of those states in Midland, in the Midland region is Illinois. And I can definitely say there's a huge difference between uh, northern Illinois and southern Illinois. Um, it's just about what kind of southern accent <laughs> you have, I think, for the Midland regions. Um, and Ohio, like the full bulk of Ohio is and Indiana is also in the Midlands. And um, I think that's Colorado. I don't know. Um, but uh, inland Northern American English or Great Lakes uh, accent, that's going to sound a lot like Lily Tomlin. And I do feel that that's sort of my <laughs> the logical conclusion to my vocal life. I do think that um, this accent is so distinctive, um, but it is defined by those cities like Chicago and Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland and Detroit. Um, and I, I'm looking at an article right now that says the Chicago accent is included in that. But to me, I mean, now we're getting like really, really deep. I think the Chicago accent is so different. On that note, if you watch The Bear, that's such a weird show vocally. Everybody has the weirdest voices. And I think it's a probably a writing thing, but uh, that's a completely other different podcast that I'll do later. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's this phenomenon uh, with the Midwestern um, accents. It's the difference between like, Caught, C-O-T, and caught, C-A-U-G-H-T. Um, the the position of the tongue in the mouth, um, whether it's back in the throat or right behind the teeth. For me, it's always it's always way in the back. It's always way in the back. It's so so bad. I mean, when I'm reading something, uh, like. Yeah, like when I was just reading a passage from um, the Arthur Lissack book, it's much like my accent is much more pronounced and it's like less, it's kind of done away with. Um, but when I, I've just found myself when I'm sitting here with guests and I'm just having a normal um, conversation, I want it to be colloquial. I want it to be natural. But when I listen back to it, I'm you know, I'm thinking to myself, dear God, <laughs> I went to four years of acting school. I did not, I don't mean to sound like this. My aspirated consonants are not being aspirate or not aspirated. Uh, my unvoiced, um, my voiced uh, consonants are not voiced, uh, you know, close enough to the front of my mouth. Um and just sounds like trash. I think it's um, <laughs> I think it's an isolation thing. I really do. I think when your lifestyle changes, your voice changes. When you surround yourself, I mean, think about when you go to a different state or a different country and you start picking up an accent. Your accent changes based on external forces, but the tone of your voice changes based on external forces and tapping into that self-awareness I think opens up 
so many possibilities of how you can change your voice based on content. You know, some of us need to put on a customer customer service voice. I totally understand that. And that's kind of how I see. (laughs) I mean, nobody should feel uh, obligated to put on a customer service voice. But in terms of just getting the information out of my mouth like I really want to do, that's what I feel like I have to do is do that inner work of being vocally self-aware and not just, you know, what is being self-aware? Like I'm self-aware of my personality, like my behaviors, but the voice is such a central part of one's behavior. Um, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's just so, so obvious. Um, I also want to say whenever I go to New York, I feel like I'm in a cartoon because I'm very isolated away from New York accents and I've never, I never grew up exposed to any kind of uh, like East Coast dialect at all. And it's so funny to me because every time I go to New York, I really feel like this. I'm on Sesame Street. It feels like a cartoon. I like, I laugh at everybody's accents because I feel like, um, sometimes I feel like a foreigner a little bit, um, like, oh, this is, this is how Americans sound like. Um, I just, I just think it's really interesting. Um, but I also think something I've been keeping tabs on, I haven't been drinking a lot lately at all. And I remember when I was in school, (laughs) We had like a whole section just on substances, things that you put in your body. I mean, once again, this is all about (laughs) self-care. Really, it's a self-care conversation. It's an actor conversation and it's a self-care conversation. They go hand in hand. Um, But we had a whole conversation about alcohol and, and smoking and how that influences your tone of voice and your resonance. And I'm not an expert, but I want to know is, I don't know any, I think vocal fry is not real. I think everybody just has a natural vocal fry in, you know, and depending on their, their region, um, maybe your vocal fry and your accent, uh, you know, maybe your vocal fry is stronger or like not as strong, um, naturally, but I think it's just something everybody has in different strengths. Um, I think mine can be pretty, pretty strong, um, because all, everything just goes, all of the consonants just go to my soft palate. Everything just goes to my soft palate. Um, a lot of my R's have been like that. And that's, what's really creepy. A lot of my R's have really been chucked back to my soft palate, like more and more, like way, way, way back. They used to be a little bit closer up front to my hard palate when I had a job. Um, (laughs) this is so depressing. Um, but it is really fascinating to me because, um, the more you think about it, um, 
the more you kind of realize how it's really it's tied back and tied back uh, into the experiences that shape who we are our lifestyle changes our family dynamics our social dynamics um, our trauma our sexual dynamics that um, that really makes a huge impact on your vocal life I would really encourage anyone to take a like recording of your voice every maybe six months and read the same passage and see how it changes and try to keep your like inflections the same and read the same passage but every six months record yourself um, saying the speaking this passage um, and look back and see the changes if, and notice if there's been any changes it's kind of the equivalent of keeping a journal I do encourage everybody to keep a vocal journal because what I'm experiencing right now is really interesting and I've had a lot of uh, challenges um, like financial challenges recently and just stress at home not nothing bad mostly just extremely normal things change change in lifestyle change in my job um, change in my priorities and changes in my creative life and I for some reason it's really hard for it's been really hard for me to spit out words very clearly on my podcast um, because I think I for most of my day I am just talking to my husband and talking out of the side of my mouth and all of my consonants are way in the back of my throat and I'm barely talking all day um, yeah and when once again because I'm American my my mouth is just horizontal every kind of word is just so horizontal so blase <laughs> and I would really like to add a little bit more brightness to that I really really would because I feel that it was a little it was just a little brighter um, earlier in the year um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that I'm gonna find another passage to read in this Arthur Lissac book and yeah it's it's biodynamic it's it's one of like I don't I don't know why people study the voice more when I was in school we had to watch like an actual medical videos on watch videos on like vocal folds and things of that nature um it was really really interesting so we have arthur lasex orchestra which i really encourage everybody to look up um that's a huge part of this book but i will read some of the exercises he talks about that are really going to help me <laughs> and I think um, would really help anybody um, if you're struggling with breathing part like breathing is a huge huge part of of carrying words <laughs> okay like it's are you ever in a in a job interview or maybe an audition and you just run out of breath randomly I think that's the weirdest weirdest phenomenon and it's really frustrating because I'm thinking to myself I just did this monologue or I just um, talked about this without 
running out of i was breathing but for some reason when we're put on the spot we just randomly are gasping for air and um i want to talk about pleasure humming which is a vocal experiment um in chapter three the duality of breathing and posture so once again bringing it back to self-care everybody talks about ergonomic posture how we sit how we carry ourselves how we make ourselves feel confident when we put you know just chuck our shoulders um to the the back and stick out our chests and it changes how we feel it changes your energy and there's something to be said about your vocal posture as well and how that changes how you feel about who you are um and sometimes changing your accent or just doing vocal experience uh, experiments it's very pleasurable and fun and it gives you an another avenue another outlet to experiment with yourself idealization how you feel about where you are naturally in your voice where you where you could be um, and what you can do so experiment number two is called pleasure humming close your eyes and begin to quietly hum an n sound with your lips and teeth gently parted turn the hum off while continuing a soft silent breath flow through the nose maintain this tongue position and practice practices in bold <laughs> gentle smooth in and out breathing while your face expresses benign smiling contentment and that's something that is very consistent in this book is smiling i always try to smile at the beginning of every podcast because you can hear that <laughs> i uh, whenever i'm editing i can always tell if i started the pod smiling or not um and when I'm listening to other people's podcasts um, and other people's voices, I can always tell, you can always hear a smile, which is, which is kind of, it's very, it's very beautiful. Um, but okay, yes, we're closing our eyes and we are humming an end sound with a smile. Uh, repeat the process with an NG hum. Turn the hum off and again, feel the gentle sigh of escaping air through the nose while maintaining a smiling contented facial expression this is really something that i think you can do in yoga class have you ever been in a yoga class and they ask you to like laugh or smile or do something weird with your voice and your mouth i just you may as well like they may as well just be reading or studying lissac you know um and then on the note of breathing, he says, quiet, smooth, and gentle breathing is the body's most hygienic and energy gathering way to breathe, whether through the mouth or nose. Such almost imperceptible and slow motion inhale, exhale breathing brings on the feeling of rising resilient liveliness on the inhalation and level floating on the slight pause before returning to settling down like a feather on the exhalation. It is the very essence of the relaxing and pleasurable sigh breathing. Breathing must feel good and be fulfilling and vitalizing. That's so, that's so beautiful. It, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine, I'm thinking about all the times where breathing has not felt good 
to me and it's usually in times of stress and uh, great you know tension or arguing and I'm thinking about how my mouth always opens more it ceases to become so horizontal whenever I'm angry and uh, I actually become very much more vocally resonant <laughs> when I'm uh, arguing with somebody um, but I think uh, the the idea of breathing must feel good. The fact that he says breathing must feel good, even if you don't feel good, your body must feel good and it absolutely must feel, it, like there's, there's a reason why he says breathing must feel good and it must be fulfilling and vitalizing. It's not, you know, it's not just breathing is good for you or like you have to breathe. It's, it must feel good. And that's very beautiful because you owe it to yourself. Like your body literally has to feel good. <laughs> it literally has to. Um, and I think for me, um, my breathing techniques, I've, something about, yeah, something about the nose inhalation um, really helps me realign with my vocal posture um it's kind of like i'm i'm buffering i'm recalibrating <laughs> i'm you know revitalizing myself um and it it helps me kind of take a pause because sometimes the consonants just like crash into each other like huge graphic see huge traffic jam of consonants oh god um What's another exercise that I had highlighted here? Oh, man. I mean, it, it is a great practice for me to read these passages out loud. Whenever I'm reading something out loud, it, it truly does help me. If I'm just speaking conversationally, colloquially, that's, what, that's like my time to be very self-aware and take notes about where am I falling? Where am I stumbling here? Where, where do, why do I sound insane? Um, but reading some of this, reading anything out loud really helps me. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely actor work. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh yeah, the shifting, shifting consonants. See, this is my jam. Like this is really what I need to <laughs> focus on. Um, <laughs> As you explore the individual consonants, you may find that certain final consonants seem difficult to manage. Yes, I agree. Uh, when this happens, program yourself to shift that final consonant to the starting position of the next word. Practice first on these words. Oh, okay. Yep, I remember this. Okay, so this is from chapter five, the dynamics of consonant, NRG, shifting consonants, um, and then direct linking as well. So the idea is that you want to link and link consonants and practice healthy shifting of consonants and shift those consonants in a very clear way. So you can really hear all of those. The example that he gives here is the word an Antarctic. So the N, um, the N needs to be heard uh, in Antar 
Antarctic, <laughs> and then the the seas uh, need to be heard in Antarctic. Um, this is really helping me, everybody. <laughs> um, I really appreciate your patience. Um, another example he gives is the word characteristics. Um, the C, uh, the second C in characteristics, characteristics, and then the last two S's, characteristics, um, character, charic. Oh, and the syllables are are um, split up, so it's characteristics. This is hard. <laughs> I can't believe I did this for like three hours a day uh, when I was in college. Um, and then the word synergistic, synergis, synergistic. <laughs> um, he says, pretend each syllable is a word. When you get a good rhythmic feel, accelerate your delivery until you reach an optimal speed without any consonant loss whatsoever. Practice the reprogrammed sentence with smooth, uh, smooth utterance. So you're going to practice it with smooth uh, utterance, excuse me, easy flowing rhythm and legato connecting. So yeah, think of it as a song. I'm thinking of it as a song and we need to understand every single word in the song. <laughs> like, have you, do you ever listen to Ariana Grande and you don't know a single, there's not a single consonant. Where are the voiced, where are the aspirated consonants? They're not there. They're not there. Um, but I think I'm going to keep working on, on this. And I really appreciate any feedback. Uh, my voice, I mean, everybody's voice changes in different contexts, in different social contexts. But then your overall just a vocal identity completely changes because our identities change um, constantly with our life experience it's something that is so obvious to me um and it's such a you know huge subject matter that's largely you know most people don't talk about it and it's something to be self-aware about because um for me it hasn't been until recently that i have found myself just tripping over my words because my consonants are like all in one consonants and vowels are all in one place and there's no shifting going on. And that's kind of what I've been noticing as I've been listening back to uh, these episodes. Um, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to find one more uh, passage to close us out for today. Uh, so let's take a look. Okay, I found one. <sighs> Okay, so this is from chapter 12, What About a Standard? Our research and practice, on stage, off stage, and in therapy, strongly suggest that when the human organism functions in this fundamental and progressive modality, resulting in rich, full vocal tones, pleasurable and easy audibility, optimal intellig intelligibility, and excellent facial form and posture, it is quite ready to adopt and adapt to any regional or social mode of pronunciation and enunciation. Actually, that's what the major argument 
of regarding standards is all about choice of pronunciation. The question of choice regarding particular pronunciation, syllabification, or stress is just that, a matter of choice. But before a choice can be made, it is necessary to, to achieve a vocal life with perfect intelligibility, easy audibility, proper vocal body NRG, and most importantly, a fine quality speaking voice that avoids affection, distortion, imitation, or rigid meticulousness. In our frame of reference, the choice of pronunciation pretty much becomes a matter of electing from the strong and or familiar forms of our vocal life expressiveness to provide us with a language strong and elevated enough for the best of Shakespeare, Shaw, or Wilde. Yeah, I think I'm going to stop there. Yeah, that's, that's very apt. Yeah, I think a lot of this and a lot of this practice is about understanding the best version of your voice and not changing your vocal identity necessarily, but um, kind of practicing and chipping away at all of those things like imitation and like influence um, and distortion from other external influences and avoiding that affectation and chipping away at all of those things so you can achieve a very resonant, very bright, very um, commanding voice that's very clear and no matter what your accent is and no matter um who you know where no matter what region you are what social situation you're in um you're very clearly heard and everyone knows that that one person that has such a great voice maybe their voice is very unique but that's not why they have such a great voice it's usually people with great voices have great voices because you can understand them (laughs) Um, and they're engaging to listen to and that's something I really want to work on. Um, As far as housekeeping things go, I have a recording today and then I um, am getting really excited because I will be in New York the last week of July and I'm really looking forward to getting away um, and I really appreciate every everyone's listenership um, this has been really great and I hope to um, take some more notes and um, do some more uh, LESAC uh, training episodes again soon um, but let me know and um, buy the book Arthur Lessac the use and training of the human voice Um, biodynamic approach to vocal life and scene.